Hi, um, this is Tony again, and um, today I'm going to start chapter 2 of John Paul II's encyclical, The Gospel of Life. Um, so just as a brief preface, you know, the last chapter was um, was very moving. It laid out John Paul's arguments about why the gospel of life is so important to us. And at the end also talked a little bit about the good things that are going on. But he did focus quite a bit on the threats to life. So chapter 2 is titled I came that they may have life the Christian message concerning life quote the life was made the life was made manifest and we saw it first John chapter 1 verse 2 with our gaze fixed on Christ quote the word of life unquote 29. Faced with the countless grave threats to life present in the modern world, one could feel overwhelmed by sheer powerlessness. Good can never be powerful enough to triumph over evil. At such times, the people of God, and this includes every believer, is called to profess with humility and courage its faith in Jesus Christ, the word of life. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 the gospel of life is not simply a reflection however new and profound on human life nor is it merely a commandment aimed at raising awareness and bringing about significant changes in society still less is it an illusory promise of a better future the gospel of life is something concrete and personal for it consists in the proclamation of the very person of Jesus. Jesus made himself known to the Apostle Thomas and in him to every person with the words, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life, unquote. John chapter 14, verse 6. This is also how he spoke of himself to Martha, the sister of Lazarus, quote, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Unquote. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus is a Son who from all eternity receives life from the Father. See John chapter 5, verse 26. And who has come among men to make them shares in this gift? Quote, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, unquote. John chapter 10, verse 10. Through the words, the actions, and the very person of Jesus, man is given the possibility of, quote, knowing, unquote, the complete truth concerning the value of human life. From this, quote, source, unquote, he receives in particular the capacity to, quote, accomplish, unquote, this truth perfectly. See John chapter 3, verse 21. That is, 
to accept and fulfill completely the responsibility of loving and serving, of defending and promoting human life. In Christ, the gospel life is definitively proclaimed and fully given. This is a gospel which already present in the revelation of the Old Testament and indeed written in the heart of every man and woman has echoed in every conscience, quote, from the beginning, unquote, from the time of creation itself, in such a way that despite the negative consequences of sin, it can also be known in, in its essential traits by human reason. As the Second Vatican Council teaches, Christ, quote, perfected revelation by fulfilling it through his whole work of making himself present and manifest himself through his words and deeds, his signs and wonders, but especially through his death and glorious resurrection from the dead and final sending of the spirit of truth. Moreover, he confirmed with divine testimony what Revelation proclaimed, that God is with us to free us from the darkness of sin and death and to raise us up to eternal life. Unquote. Dogmatic Constitution and Divine Revelation, Dei Verbum. Dei Verbum meaning the Word of God. Hence, with our attention fixed on the Lord Jesus, we wish to hear from him once again, quote, the words of God, unquote, John chapter 3, verse 34, and meditate anew on the gospel of life. The deepest and most original meaning of this meditation on what Revelation tells us about human life was taken up by the Apostle John in the opening words of his first letter. Quote, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, <clears throat> which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us." Unquote. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In Jesus, the, quote, word of life, unquote, God's eternal life is thus proclaimed and given. Thanks to this proclamation and gift, our physical and spiritual life, also in this earthly phase, acquires its full meaning and value. For God's eternal life is in fact the end to which our living in this world is directed and called. In this way, the gospel of life includes everything the human experience and reason tells us about the value of human life, accepting it, purifying it, exalting it, and bringing it to fulfillment. Quote, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Unquote. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. Life is always a good. 31. The fullness of the gospel message about life was prepared for in the Old Testament, especially in the events of the Exodus, the center of the Old Testament faith experience. Israel discovered the preciousness of his life in the eyes of God, 
when it seemed doomed to extermination because of the threat of death hanging over all its newborn males. See Exodus chapter 1 verses 15 through 22. The Lord revealed himself to Israel as its Savior with the power to ensure a future to those without hope. Israel thus comes to know clearly that its, ex its existence is not at the mercy of a pharaoh who can exploit it at his despotic whim. On the contrary, Israel's life is the object of God's gentle and intense love. Freedom from slavery meant the, the gift of an identity, the recognition of an indestructible dignity, and the beginning of a new history in which the discovery of God and discovery of self go hand in hand. The Exodus was a foundational experience and a model for the future. Through it, Israel comes to learn that whenever its existence is threatened, it need only turn to God with renewed trust in order to find in Him effective help. Quote, I formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I apologize for the interruption. I'll read that quote again. I have formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 21 Thus, in coming to know the value of its own existence as a people, Israel also grows in its perception of the meaning and value of life itself. This reflection is developed more specifically in the wisdom literature. On the basis of daily experience of the precariousness of life, an awareness of the threats which assail it. Faced with the contradictions of life, faith is challenged to respond. More than anything else, it is the problem of suffering which challenges faith and puts it to the test. How can we fail to appreciate the universal anguish of man when we meditate on the book of Job? The innocent man, overwhelmed by suffering, is understandably led to wonder. Quote, why is light given to him that is in misery, and life to the bitter in soul, who long for death? But it comes not, and dig for it more than for hid treasures. Unquote. Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. But even when the darkness is deepest, faith points to a trusting and adoring acknowledgement of the, quote, mystery, unquote. Quote, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Unquote. Job chapter 42, verse 2. Revelation progressively allows the first notion of immortal life planted by the Creator in the human heart to be grasped with ever greater clarity. Quote, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's mind. Unquote. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. This first notion of totality and fullness is waiting to be manifested in love and brought to perfection by God's free gift through sharing in his eternal life. Quote, the name of Jesus has made this man strong. Unquote. Acts chapter 3 verse 16. In the uncertainties of human life, Jesus brings life meaning to fulfillment. 32. The experience of the people of the covenant is renewed in the experience of all, all the, quote, poor, unquote, who meet Jesus of Nazareth. 
just as God who, quotes, loves the living, unquote, see Wisdom, chapter 11, verse 26, had reassured Israel in the midst of danger. So now the Son of God proclaims to all who feel threatened and, and hindered it that their lives too are a good to which the Father's love gives meaning and value. Quote, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Unquote. Luke chapter 7 verse 22. With these words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35 verses 5 and 6, and chapter 61 verse 1, Jesus sets forth the meaning of his own mission. All who suffer because their lives are in some way, quote, diminished, unquote, thus hear from him the, quote, good news, unquote, of God's concern for them. And they know for certain that their lives, too, are a gift carefully guarded in the hands of the Father. See Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It's above all the, quote, poor, unquote, to whom Jesus speaks in his preachings and actions. The crowds of the sick and the outcasts who follow him and seek him out. See Matthew chapter 4 verses 23 through 25. Finding his words and actions a revelation of the great value of their lives and how their hope of salvation is well founded. The same thing has taken place in the church's mission from the beginning. With the church, when the church proclaims Christ as the one who Quote, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Unquote. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. She is conscious of being the bearer of a message of salvation, which resounds in all its newness precisely amid the hardships and poverty of human life. Peter cured the cripple who daily sought alms at the, quote, beautiful gate, unquote, of the temple of Jerusalem, saying, Quote, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Unquote. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. By faith in Jesus, quote, the author of life. Unquote. Acts 3, chapter 3, verse 15. Life which lies abandoned and cries out for help, regains self-esteem and full dignity. The words and deeds of Jesus and those of his church are not meant only for those who are sick or suffering or in some way neglected by society. On a deeper level, they affect the very meaning of every person's life in its moral and spiritual dimensions. Only those who recognize that their life is marked by the evil of sin can discover in an encounter with Jesus the Savior the truth and the authenticity of their own existence. Jesus himself says as much, quote, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, unquote. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. But the person who, like the rich landowner in the gospel parable, thinks he can make his life secure by the possession of material goods alone, is deluding himself. Life is slipping away from him, and very soon he will find himself bereft of it without ever having appreciated its real meaning. Quote, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Unquote. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 20. In Jesus' own life from the beginning to end, we find a singular, quote, dialectic, unquote, between the experience of the uncertainty of human life and the affirmation of its value. Jesus' life is marked by uncertainty from the very moment of his birth. He is, he is certainly accepted by the righteous, Wackles, Mary's immediate and joyful, quote, yes, unquote. See Luke chapter 1, verse 38. But there is also from the start rejection on the part of the world, which grows hostile and looks for the child in order to, quote, destroy him, unquote. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. A world which remains indifferent and unconcerned about the fulfillment of the mystery of this life entering the world, quote, there was no place for them in the inn, unquote. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. In this contrast between threats and insecurity on the one hand and the power of God's gift on the other, there shines forth all the more clearly the glory which radiates from the house, of, from the house at Nazareth and from the manger at Bethlehem. This life which is born of... This life which is born is salvation for all humanity. See Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Life's contradictions and risks were fully accepted by Jesus. Quote, Though he was rich, yet for, the sake, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Unquote. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. The poverty of which Paul speaks is not only a stripping of divine privileges, but also a sharing in the low, lowliest and most vulnerable conditions of human life. See Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Jesus lived this poverty throughout his life until the culminating moment of the cross. Quote, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, unquote. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It is precisely by his death that Jesus reveals all the splendor and value of life, inasmuch as his self-oblation on the cross becomes a source of new life for all people. See John chapter 12, verse 32. In his, joy, joy, in his journeying amid contradictions and in the very loss of his life, Jesus is guided by the certainty that his life is in the hands of the Father. Consequently, on the cross, he can say to him, quote, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Unquote. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. That is my life. Truly great must be the value of human life of the Son of God has taken it up and made it an instrument of the salvation of all humanity. Quote, called to be conformed to the image of his Son. Unquote. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. God's glory shines in the face of man. 34. Life is always good. This is an instinctive perception, an effect of experience and man is called to grasp the profound reason why this is so. Why is life good? This question is found everywhere in the Bible, and from the very first pages it receives a powerful and amazing answer. The life which God gives man is quite different from the life of all other living creatures, 
inasmuch as man, although forms from the dust of the earth. See Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 19, Job chapter 34, 34 verse 15, Psalms 103, verse 14, 104, verse 29. It's a manifestation of God in the world, a sign of his presence, a trace of his glory. See Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, Psalms chapter 8, verse 6. This is what St. Irenaeus of Lyons wanted to emphasize in his celebrated definition. Quote, man, living man, is the glory of God. Unquote. Gloria Dei, vivens homo. Adversus herensis. Man has been given a sublime dignity based on the intimate bond which unites him to his creator. In man there shines forth a reflection of God himself. The book of Genesis affirms this when in the first account of creation it places man in the, at the summit of God's creative activity as its crown, as a culmination of a process which leads from the indistinct chaos to the most perfect of creatures. Everything in creation is ordered to man and everything is made subject to him. Quote, Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over every living thing. Unquote. Chapter 1, verse 28. And this is God's command to the man and the woman. A similar message is found also in the, uh, in the other account of creation. Quote, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. Unquote. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We see there here a clear affirmation of the primacy of man over things. These are made subject to him and entrusted to his responsible care, whereas for no reason can he be made subject to other men and almost reduced to the level of a thing. In the biblical narrative, the difference between man and other creatures is shown above all by the fact that only the creation of man is presented as a result of a special decision on the part of God a deliberation to establish a particular and specific bond with the Creator. Quote, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Unquote. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The life which God offers to man is a gift by which God shares something of himself with his creature. Israel would ponder at length the meaning of this particular bond between man and God. The book of Sirach, too, recognizes that God, in creating human things, quote, endowed them with strength like his own and made them in his own image, unquote. Chapter 17, verse 3. The biblical author sees as part of this image not only man's dominion over the world, but also those spiritual faculties which are distinctively human, such as reason, discernment between good and evil, and free will. Quote, he filled them with knowledge and understanding and showed them good and evil. Unquote. Sirach chapter 17, verse 7. The ability to attain truth and freedom are human prerogatives, inasmuch as man is created in the image of his Creator, God who is true and just. See Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Man alone among all things 
excuse me, man alone among all visible creatures is, quote, capable of knowing and loving his creator, unquote. Second Vatican Ecumenical Council, Pastoral Constitution of Church in the Modern World, Gaudium et Spes. The life which God bestows upon man is much more than mere existence in time. It is a drive towards fullness of life. It is the seed of a new existence which transcends the very limits of time. Quote, for God created man for incorruption and made him in the image of his own eternity. Unquote. Wisdom chapter 2 verse 23. 35. The Yahweh's account of creation expresses the same conviction. This ancient narrative speaks of a divine breath which is breathed upon man so he may come to life. The Lord God formed God, excuse me, the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and this man became a living being. Unquote. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The divine origin of this spirit of life explains the perennial dissatisfaction which man feels throughout his days on earth because he is made by God and bears with himself an indelible imprint of God, man is naturally drawn to God. When he heaves the deepest yearnings of, his, of the heart, every man must make his own the words of truth expressed by St. Augustine. Quote, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Unquote. Confessions How very significant is the satisfaction how very significant is the dissatisfaction which marks man's life in Eden, as long as his sole point of reference is the world of plants and animals. See Genesis chapter two verse twenty. Only the appearance of the woman, a being who is flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. See Genesis chapter two verse twenty three, and in whom the Spirit of God the Creator is also alive can satisfy the need for interpersonal dialogue, so vital for human existence. In the other, whether man or woman, there is a reflection of God himself, the definitive goal and fulfillment of every person. Quote, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Unquote. The psalmist wonders. Psalms chapter 8, verse 4. Compared to the immensity of the universe, man is very small, Yet this is, and yet this very contrast reveals his greatness. Quote, you have made him less, you have made him little less than a god, and crowned him with glory and honor. Unquote. Psalms, chapter eight, verse five. The glory of God shines in the face of man. In man, the Creator finds his rest. The same Ambrose comments with a sense of awe. Quote, the sixth day is finished, and the creation of the world ends with the formation of that masterpiece, which is man, who exercises dominion over all living things and is, as it were, the crown of the universe and the supreme beauty of every created being. Truly, we should maintain a reverential silence, since the Lord rested from, from every work he had undertaken in the world. He rested then in the depths of man. <clears throat> he rested in man's mind and in his thought. After all, he had created man endowed with reason, capable of imitating him, of emulating his virtue, of hungering for heavenly graces. And these gifts God reposes, who has said, quote, Upon whom shall I rest? 
if not upon the one who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. Unquote. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. I thank the Lord our God, who has created so wonderful a work in which to take his rest. Unquote. Examaron. 36. Unfortunately, God's marvelous plan was marred by the appearance of sin in history. Through sin, man rebels against his creator and ends up by worshiping creatures. Quote, they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Unquote. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. As a result, man not only deforms the image of God in his own person, but is tempted to, to offenses against it and others as well, replacing relationships or communion by attitudes of distrust, indifference, hostility, and even murderous hatred. When God is not acknowledged as God, and the profound meaning of man is betrayed, and communion between people is compromised. In the life of man, God's image shines forth anew and is again revealed in all its fullness is a coming of God of the Son of God in human flesh. Quote, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Unquote. Colossians chapter one verse fifteen. He quote reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature. Unquote. Hebrews chapter one verse three. He is a perfect image of the Father. The plan of life given to the first Adam finds at last its fulfillment in Christ. Whereas the disobedience of Adam had ruined and marred God's plan for human life and introduced death into the world, the redemptive obedience of Christ is the source of grace poured out upon the human race, opening wide to everyone the gates of the kingdom of life. See Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. As the Apostle Paul states, quote, The first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Unquote. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. All who commit themselves to following Christ are given the fullness of life. The divine image is restored, renewed, and brought to perfection in them. God's plan for human beings is this, that they should, quote, be conformed to the image of his Son, unquote. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Only thus in the splendor of this image can man be freed from the slavery of idolatry, rebuild lost fellowship, and rediscover his true identity. Quote, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Unquote. John chapter 11, verse 26. The gift of eternal life. 37. The life which the Son of God came to give to human beings cannot be reduced to mere existence and time. The life which was always, quote, in him, unquote, in which is the, quote, light of man, unquote, John chapter 1, verse 4, consists in being begotten of God and sharing in the fullness of his love. Quote, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Unquote. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Sometimes Jesus refers to this life which he came to give simply as, quote, life, unquote. And he presents being born of God as a necessary condition if man is to attain the end for which God 
has created him. Quote, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unquote. John chapter 3, verse 3. To give this life is a real object of Jesus' mission. He is the one who, quote, comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Unquote. John chapter 6, verse 33. Thus he can truly say, quote, he who follows me will have the light of life. Unquote. John chapter 8, verse 12. Other times Jesus speaks of quote eternal life unquote. Here the adjective does more than merely evoke a perspective which is beyond time. The life which Jesus promises and gives is quote eternal unquote because it is a full participation in the life of the quote eternal one unquote. Whoever believes in Jesus and enters into communion with him has eternal life. See John chapter three verse fifteen and chapter six verse forty. Because he hears from Jesus the only words which reveal and communicate to his existence the fullness of life. These are the word these are the quote words of eternal life, unquote, which Peter acknowledges in his confession of faith. Quote, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Unquote. John chapter 6 verses 16 and 69 Jesus himself addressing the father in the great priestly prayer declares that eternal life consists in quote this is eternal life that they may know you are the true only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent unquote John chapter 17 verse 3 to know God and his son is to accept the mystery of the loving communion of the father the son and the holy spirit into one's own life which even now is open to eternal life because it shares in the life of God. 38. Eternal life is therefore the life of God himself, and at the very and at the same time the life of the children of God. As they ponder this unexpected and inexpressible truth, which comes to us from God in Christ, believers cannot fail to be filled with ever new wonder and unbounded gratitude. They can say in the words of the Apostle John, quote, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now, and does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Unquote. First John chapter three verses one and two. Here the Christian truth about life becomes most sublime. The dignity of this life is linked not only to its beginning, to the fact that it comes from God, but also to its final end, to its destiny of fellowship with God and knowledge and love of Him. In the light of this truth, St. Irenaeus qualifies and completes his praise of man, quote, the glory of God, unquote, is indeed, quote, man, living man, unquote, but Quote, the life of man consists in the vision of God. Unquote. Quote, Vita autem hominis visio dei. Unquote. Adversus hierensis. Immediate consequences arise from this human life in its earthly state, in which, for that matter, eternal life already springs forth and begins to grow. Although man instinctively loves life because it is good, excuse me, this love will find further inspiration and strength 
and new breadth and depth in the divine dimensions of this good. Similarly, the love which every human being has for life cannot be reduced simply to a desire to have sufficient space for self-expression and for entering into relationships with others. Rather, it develops in a joyous awareness that life can become, quote, the place, unquote, where God manifests himself, where we meet him and enter into communion with him. The life which Jesus gives in no way lessens the value of our existence in time. It takes him and directs it to his final destiny. Quote, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Unquote. Chapter John chapter 11 verses 25 and 26. So I'll, I'll stop here um, briefly and um, I'll continue in the, 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 ne- the next segment. Thanks. Quote, From man in regard to his fellow man I will demand an accounting. Unquote. Genesis chapter 9 verse 5. Reverence and love for every human life. 39. Man's life comes to God. It is his gift, his image and imprint, a sharing in his breath of life. God, therefore, is the sole Lord of this life. Man cannot do with it as he wills. God himself makes this clear to Noah after the flood. Quote, For your own life blood too I will demand an accounting. And from man in regard to his fellow man I will demand an accounting for human life. Unquote. Genesis chapter 9 verse 5. The biblical text is concerned to emphasize how the sacredness of life and its foundation has its foundation in God and in his creative activity. Quote, For God made man in his own, in his own image. Unquote. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. Human life and death are thus in the hands of God in his power. Quote, in his life is the existence of every living thing in the breath of all mankind. Unquote exclaims Job, chapter 12, verse 10. Quote, the Lord brings to death and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up, unquote. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 6. He alone can say, quote, it is I who bring both death and life, unquote. Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 39. But God does not exercise his power in an arbitrary and threatening way but rather as part of his care and loving concern for his creatures. It is true that human life is in the hands of God. It is no less true that these are loving hands, like those of a mother who accepts, nurtures, and takes care of her child. Quote, I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a child quieted at its mother's breast, like a child is quieted is my soul. Unquote. Psalms chapter 131 verse 2. See Isaiah chapter 49 verse 15, chapter 66 verses 12 and 13, and Hosea chapter 11 verse 4. Thus Israel does not see in the history of peoples and in the destiny of individuals the outcome of mere chance or, or of blind faith, but rather the results of a loving plan by which God brings together all the possibilities of life opposes the powers of death arising from sin. Quote, God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living, for he has created all things that they might exist. Unquote. 
Wisdom chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. 40. The sacredness of life gives rise to its inviolability, written from the beginning in man's heart, in his conscience. The question, quote, what have you done, unquote, Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, which God addresses to Cain after he has killed his brother Abel, interprets the experience of every person. In the depths of his conscience, man is always reminded of the inviolability of life, his own life and that of others, as something which does not belong to him, because it is the property and gift of God, the Creator and Father. The commandment regarding the inviolability of human life reverberates at the heart of the, quote, ten words, unquote, in the covenant of Sinai. Sinai. See Exodus chapter 34, verse 28. In the first place, that commandment prohibits murder. Quote, you shall not kill, unquote. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Quote, do not slay the innocent and righteous, unquote. Exodus chapter 23, verse 7. But as is brought out in Israel's later legislation, it also prohibits all personal injury inflicted on another. See Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 through 27. Of course, we must recognize that in the Old Testament, the sense of the value of life, though already quite marked, does not yet reach the refinement found in the Sermon of the Mount. This apparent in some aspects of the current penal legislation, which provided for severe forms of corporal punishment and even the death penalty. But the overall message, which the New Testament will bring to perfection, is a forceful appeal for respect for the inviolability of physical life and the integrity of the person. It culminates in the positive commandment, which obliges us to, res- to be responsible for our neighbors as for ourselves. Quote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, unquote. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. 41. The commandment, quote, you shall not kill, unquote, included and more fully expressed in the positive command of love for one's neighbor is reaffirmed in all its force by the Lord Jesus. To the rich young man who asks him, quote, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life, unquote, Jesus replies, quote, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Unquote. Matthew 9, chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. And he quotes as the first of these, quote, You shall not kill. Unquote. Matthew chapter 19, verse 18. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus demands from his disciples a righteousness which surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, also with regard to respect for life. Quote, you have heard it that it was said to the men of old, quote, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable for to judgment, unquote. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment, unquote. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. By his words and actions, Jesus further unveils the positive requirements of the commandment regarding the inviolability of life. These requirements were already present in the Old Testament, where legislation dealt with protecting and defending life when it was weak and threatened. In the case of foreigners, widows, orphans, and the sick and the poor in general, including children in the womb. See Exodus chapter 21, verse 22, 
chapter 22, verses 20 through 26. With Jesus, these passive requirements assume new force and urgency and are revealed in all their breadth and depth. They range from caring for the life of one's brother, whether a blood brother, someone belonging to the same people, or a foreigner living in the land of Israel, to, sh to showing concern for the stranger, even to the point of loving one's enemy. A stranger is no longer a stranger for the person who must become a neighbor to someone in need, to the point of accepting responsibility for his life, as the parable of the Good Samaritan shows so clearly. See Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Even an enemy ceases to be an enemy for the person who is obliged to love him. See Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48, and Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 35. To, quote, do good, unquote, to him. See Luke chapter 6, verse 27, 33, and 35. And to respond to his immediate needs promptly with no expectation of repayment. See Luke chapter 6, verses 34 and 35. The height of this love is to pray for one's enemy. By doing so, we achieve harmony with the providential love of God. Quote, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise in the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Unquote. Matthew chapter five, verses forty-five through excuse me, verses forty-four and forty-five. Also see Luke chapter six, verses twenty-eight and thirty-five. Thus, the deepest element of God's commandment to protect human life is the requirement to show reverence and love for every person in the life of every person. This is the teaching which the Apostle Paul, echoing the words of Jesus, addresses to the Christians in Rome. Quote, the commandments, quote, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, unquote. And any other commandment are summed up in this sentence, quote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, unquote. Love does, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, unquote. Romans chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. Quote, be fruitful and multiplying, and fill the earth and subdue it, unquote. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Man's responsibility for life. 42. To defend and promote life, to show reverence and love for it, is a task which God entrusts to every man, calling him as his living image to share in his own lordship over the world. Quote, God blessed them, and God said to them, Quote, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the, sea of the, of the, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Unquote. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. The biblical text clearly shows the breadth and depth of the lordship which God bestows on man. It is a matter, first of all, of dominion over the earth and over every living creature. As the book of wisdom makes clear, quote, O God of my fathers and Lord of mercy, by your wisdom you have formed man to have dominion over the creatures you have made and rule the world in holiness and righteousness, unquote. Wisdom chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3. 
The psalmist too extols the dominion given to man as a sign of glory and, and honor from his creator. Quote, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Unquote. Psalms chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. Is one called to till and look after the garden of the world? See Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Man has a specific responsibility towards the environment in which he lives, towards the creation which God has put at the, the service of his personal dignity, of his life, not only for the present but also for future generations. It is the ecological question, ranging from the preservation of the natural habitats of the different species of animals and of other forms of life to quote human ecology unquote properly speaking see john paul ii encyclical letter centissimus annus which finds in the bible clear and strong ethical direction leading to a solution which respects the great good of life of every life in fact, quote, the dominion granted to man by the Creator is not an absolute power, nor can one speak of a freedom to use and misuse, or to dispose of things as one pleases. The limitation imposed from the beginning by the Creator Himself, and expressed symbolically by the prohibition to, quote, not eat of the fruit of the tree, unquote, see Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, shows clearly enough that, when it comes to the natural world, we are subject not only to biological laws, but also to moral ones, which cannot be violated with impunity." Unquote. John Paul II, Encyclical Letter, Solicitudo Rei Socialis, December 30, 1987. 43. A certain sharing by man in God's Lordship is also evident and the specific responsibility which is given for human life as such it is a responsibility which reaches its highest point in the giving of life through procreation by man and woman in marriage. As the Second Vatican Council teaches, quote, God himself who said, quote, It is not good for man to be alone, unquote, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and quote, who, made, who made man from the beginning male and female, unquote. Matthew chapter 19 verse 4 wish to share with man a certain special participation in his own creative work thus he blessed male and female saying quote, increase and multiply unquote. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world carium et spes sorry you choked up a little bit I mean Every time I hear him quote the Constitution and the and the Church in the modern world, God even best, makes me choke up. By speaking of quote a certain special participation quote, unquote a man and woman in the quote creative work unquote of God, the Council wishes to point out that having a child, it's an event which is deeply human and full of religious meaning, insofar as it involves both the spouses who form, quote, one flesh, unquote, 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and God who makes himself present. As I, as I wrote in my letter to families, quote, when a new person is born in the conjugal union of the two, he brings with him into the world a particular image and likeness of God himself. The genealogy of the person is inscribed in the very biology of generation. And affirming that the spouses as parents cooperate with God the Creator in conceiving and giving birth to a new human being, we are not speaking merely with reference to the laws of biology. Instead, we wish to emphasize that God Himself is present in human fatherhood and motherhood quite differently than He is present in all other instances of begetting, quote, on earth, unquote. Indeed, God alone is the source of that, quote, image and likeness, unquote, which is proper to the human being as it was received at creation. Begetting is the continuation of creation, unquote. Letter to Families, Gratissimum Sane, February 2nd, 1994. Also see Pius XII, Encyclical Letter, Humani Generis. August 12, 1950. This is what the Bible teaches in direct and eloquent language when it reports the joyful cry of the first woman, quote, the mother of all the living, unquote. Genesis chapter, chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm choking up again. And I guess the reason is because John Paul keeps making all these amazing references to the Bible, to other church documents. I mean, it's constant. Everything he says is like constantly referring to the Word of God. Aware that God has intervened, Eve exclaims, quote, I have begotten a man with the help of the Lord, unquote. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. In procreation, therefore, through the communication of life from parents to child, God's own image and likeness is transmitted, thanks to the creation of the immortal soul. Quote, Animas anima Deo, immediati creati catholica fides, nos restinere iubet, unquote. Pius XII, Encyclical Letter, Humani Generis, August 12, 1950. The beginning of the, quote, book of the genealogy of Adam, unquote, expresses it this way, quote, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female he created them, and he blessed them and called them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, after his image and named him Seth, unquote. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It is precisely in the role as co-workers with God who transmits his image to the new creature that we see the greatness of couples who are ready to, quote, cooperate with the love of the Creator and the Savior, who through them will enlarge and enrich his own family day by day, unquote. Second Vatican Council, Second Vatican Ecumenical Council, Pastoral Constitution, and the Church in the Modern World. Gaudium et Spes. See also John Paul II, 
post-synodal apostolic exhortation. Familiaris Consortio, November 22, 1981. Why? This is why the bishop Amphilochius extolled, quote, holy matrimony, chosen and elevated above all other earthly gifts, unquote, as the begetter of humanity, the creator of images of God, unquote. Homilies. Thus a man and woman join in matrimony become partners in a divine undertaking. Through the act of procreation, God's gift is accepted and a new life opens to the future. But over and above the specific mission of parents, the task of accepting and serving life involves everyone, and this task must be fulfilled above all towards the life which is when it is at its weakest. It is Christ himself who reminds us of this when he asks to be loved and served in his brothers and sisters who are suffering in any way, the hungry, the thirsty, the foreigner, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. Whatever is done to each of them is done to Christ himself. See Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Quote, for, you form my own, for you form my inmost being, unquote. Psalms chapter 139, verse 13. The dignity of the unborn child. 44. Human life finds itself most vulnerable when it enters the world and when it leaves the realm of time to embark upon eternity. The Word of God frequently repeats the call to show care and respect, above all, where life is undermined by sickness and old age. I apologize for the interruption. Um, that's one of the problems with... Um, Recording on a on a on a on, my, on a phone. This app, uh, this iPod app, uh, excuse me, this podcast app is on my phone. So when a uh, phone call comes in, it interrupts the recording. So I apologize for that. So I'll continue reading from um, the paragraph where I left off. Um, okay. But over and above the specific mission of parents, the task of accepting and serving life involves everyone. And this task must be fulfilled above all towards life when it's at its weakest. It is Christ himself who reminds us of this when he asks to be loved and served by in his brothers and sisters who are suffering in any way. The hungry, the thirsty, the foreigner, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. Whatever is done to each of them is done to Christ himself. See Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. For you form my inmost being. Psalms 1, chapter 139, verse 13. The dignity of the unborn child. 44. Human life finds itself most vulnerable when it enters the world and when it leaves the realm of time to embark upon eternity. 
The Word of God frequently repeats the call to show care and respect, above all where life is undermined by sickness and old age. Although there is no direct and explicit cause to protect human life at its very beginning, specifically life not yet born and life nearing its end, this can easily be explained by the fact that the mere possibility of harming, attacking, or actually denying life in these circumstances is completely foreign to the religious and cultural way of thinking of the people of God. In the Old Testament, sterility is dreaded as a curse, while numerous offspring are viewed as a blessing. Quote, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the womb a reward. Unquote. Psalms chapter 127, verse 3. See also Psalms chapter 128, verses 3 and 4. This belief is also based on Israel's awareness of being the people of the covenant, called to increase in accordance with the promise made to Abraham. Quote, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them, so shall your descendants be. Unquote. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. But more than anything else at work here is the certainty that the life which parents transmit has its origins in God. We see this attested in the many biblical passages which respectfully and lovingly speak of conception, of the forming of life in the mother's womb, of giving birth, and the intimate connection between the initial moment of life and the action of the of God the Creator. Quote, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Unquote. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The life of every individual from its very beginning is part of God's plan. Job, from the depths of his pain, stops to contemplate the work of God, who, mirac- who miraculously formed his body in his mother's womb. Here he finds reason for trust and he expresses his belief that there is a divine plan for his life. Quote, you have fashioned and made me. Will you then turn and destroy me? Remember that you have made me of clay, and will you turn me to dust again? Did you not pour out me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. Unquote. Job chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. Expressions of awe and wonder at God's intervention in the life of a child in his mother's womb occur again and again in the Psalms. See, for example, Psalms 22, verses 10 and 11, 71, verse 6, and 139, verses 13 and 14. How can anyone think that even a single moment of this marvelous process of the unfolding of life could be separated from the wise and loving care of the Creator and left prey to human caprice? Certainly the mother of the seven brothers did not think so. She professed her faith in God, both the source and guarantee of life from its very conception and the foundation of the hope of new life beyond death. Quote, I do not know how you came into being in my womb. It was not I who gave you life and breath, nor I who set in order the elements within each of you. Therefore the creator of the world, who shaped the beginning of man and devised the origin of all things, will in his mercy give 
life and breath back to you again, since you now for, forget yourselves for the sake of his loss. Unquote. Second Maccabees, chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. 45. The New Testament revelation confirms the indisputable recognition of the value of life from its very beginning. The exaltation of fruitfulness and the eager expectation of life resound in the words which was, with which Elizabeth rejoices in her pregnancy. Quote, the Lord has looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Unquote. Luke chapter 1 verse 25. And even more so the value of the person from the moment of conception celebrating the meeting between the Virgin Mary and Elizabeth and between the two children whom they are carrying in the womb which precisely the children who revealed the advent of the messianic age in their meeting the redemptive power the presence of the son of god among men first becomes operative the saint ambrose writes quote the arrival of mary and the blessings of the lord lord's presence are also speedily declared elizabeth was the first to hear the voice but john was the first to experience grace she heard according to the order of nature he lived because of the mystery. She recognized the arrival of Mary, he the arrival of the Lord. The woman recognized the woman's arrival, the child that of the child. The woman speaks of grace. The babies make it effective from within to the advantage of their mothers, who by the double miracle prophesy under the inspiration of their children. The infant leaped, the mother was filled with the spirit. The mother was not filled before the son, but after the son was filled with the Holy Spirit, he filled his mother too. Unquote. Expositio Evangelii Secundum Locum 2. Quote, I kept my faith even when I said, quote, I am greatly afflicted. Unquote. Psalms chapter 116, verse 10. Life in an old age and in times of suffering. 46. With regard to the last moments of life, too, it would be anachronistic to expect biblical revelation to make sp express reference to present-day issues concerning respect for elderly and sick persons, or to condemn explicitly attempts to hasten their end by force. The cultural in religious context of the Bible is in no way touched by such, by such temptations. Indeed, in that context, the wisdom and experience of the elderly are recognized as a unique source of enrichment for a family and for society. Old age is characterized by dignity and surrounded with reverence. See 2 Maccabees chapter 6, verse 23. The just man does not seek to be delivered from old age and his burden. On the contrary, his prayer is this, quote, You, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me till I proclaim your might to all generations to come, unquote. Psalms chapter 71, verses 5 and 18. The ideal of the Messianic age is presented as a time when, quote, No more shall there be an old man who does not fill out his days, unquote. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 20. In old age, how shall one face the inevitable decline of life? How shall one act in the face of death? The believer knows that his life is in the hands of God. You, quote, you, O Lord, hold my lot, unquote. 
See Psalms chapter 16, verse 5. And he accepts from God the need to die. Quote, this is the decree from the Lord about for all flesh. And how can you reject the good pleasure of the Most High? Unquote. Sirach chapter 41, verses 3 and 4. Man is not the master of life, nor, he, nor is he the master of death. In life and in death, he has to entrust himself completely to the, quote, good pleasure of the Most High, unquote, to his loving plan. In moments of sickness, too, man is called to have the same trust in the Lord and to renew his fundamental faith in the one who, quote, heals all your diseases, unquote. See Psalms chapter 103, verse 3. When every hope of good health seems to fade before a person's eyes, so as to make him cry out, unquote. Excuse me, quote, my days are like an evening shadow. They wither away like grass, unquote. Psalms chapter 102, verse 11. Even then the believer is sustained by the unshakable faith in God's life-giving power. Illness does not drive such a person to despair and to seek death, but make him cry out in hope. Quote, I kept my faith even when I said, quote, I am greatly afflicted, unquote. Psalms chapter 116, verse 10. Quote, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit, unquote. Psalms chapter 30, verses 2 and 3. 47. The mission of Jesus with the many healings he performed shows God's great concern even for man's bodily life. Jesus as, quote, the physician of the body and of the spirit, unquote. St. Ignatius of Antioch, letters, letter to the Ephesians. was sent by the Father to proclaim the good news to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. See Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Later, when he sends his disciples into the world, he gives them a mission, a mission in which healing the sick goes hand in hand with the proclamation of the gospel. Quote, and preach as you go, saying, quote, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, unquote. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse lepers, cast out demons, unquote. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. See also Math Mark chapter 6, verse 13, and chapter 16, verse 18. Certainly the life of the body in its earthly state is not an absolute good for the believer, especially as he may be asked to give up his life for a greater good. As Jesus said, quote, whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. The New Testament gives many examples of this. Jesus does not hesitate to sacrifice himself and he freely makes of his life an offering to the Father. See John chapter 10, verse 17. And to those who belong to him. See John chapter 10, verse 15. The death of John the Baptist, a precursor of the Savior, also testifies that earthly existence is not an absolute good. What is more important is remaining faithful to the word of the Lord, even at the risk of one's life. See Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 29. Stephen, losing his earthly life because of his faithful witness to the Lord's resurrection, follows in the Master's footsteps and meets those who are stoning him 
with words of forgiveness. See Acts chapter 7 verses 59 and 60, thus becoming the first of a countless host of martyrs whom the church has venerated since the very beginning. No one, however, can arbitrarily choose whether to live or die. The absolute master of such a decision is the creator alone, in whom, quote, we live and move and have our being, unquote. Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Quote, all who hold their fast will live, unquote. Baruch chapter 4, verse 1. From the law of Sinai to the gift of the Spirit. 48. Life is indelibly, indelibly marked by, by a truth of its own. By accepting God's gift, man is obliged to maintain life in this truth which is essential to it. To detach oneself from this truth is to condemn oneself to meaninglessness and unhappiness, impossible to become a threat to the existence of others, since the barriers guaranteeing respect for life and the, and the defense of life in every circumstance have been broken down. The truth of life is revealed by God's commandment. The word of the Lord shows concretely the course which life must follow if it is to respect its own truth and to preserve its own dignity. The protection of life is not only ensured by the specific commandment, quote, you shall not kill, unquote, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17. The entire law of the Lord serves to protect life, since it reveals that truth in which life finds its full meaning. It is not surprising, therefore, that God's covenant with his people is so closely linked to the perspective of life, also in its bodily also in its body dimension. In that covenant, God's commandment is offered as the path of life. Quote, I have set before you this day life and death. Excuse me. I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of. Unquote. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 16. What is at stake is not only the land of Canaan and the existence of the people of Israel, but also the world of today and of the future and the existence of all humanity, in fact, it's altogether impossible for life to remain authentic and complete once it is detached from the good, and the good in its turn is essentially bound to the commandments of the Lord, that is, to the, quote, law of life, unquote. Sirach chapter 17, verse 11. The good to be done is not added to life as a burden which weighs on it, since the very purpose of life is that good, and only by doing it can live can life be built up. It is thus the law as a whole which fully protects human life. This explains why it is so hard to remain faithful to the commandment, quote, you shall not kill, unquote, when the other, quote, words of life, unquote, see Acts chapter 738, which, with which this commandment is bound up are not observed. Detached from this wider framework, the commandment is destined to become nothing more than an obligation imposed from without. And very soon we will begin to look for its limits and try to find mitigating factors and exceptions. Only when people are open to the fullness of the truth about God, man, and history 
with the words, quote, you shall not kill, unquote, shine forth once more is a good for man in himself and in his relations with others. In, in such a perspective, we can grasp the full truth of the passage of the book of Deuteronomy, which Jesus repeats and re- replied to the first temptation, quote, man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, unquote. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. See also Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It is by listening to the word of the Lord that we are able to live in dignity and justice. It is by observing the law of God that we are able to live, to bring forth fruits of life and happiness. Quote, All who hold their fast will live, and those who forsake her will die. Unquote. Baruch chapter 4, verse 1. 49. The history of Israel shows how difficult it is to remain faithful to the law of life which God has inscribed in human hearts and which he gave on Sinai to the people of the covenant. When the people look for ways of living which ignore God's plan, it is the prophets in in particular who forcefully remind them that the Lord alone is the authentic source of life. Thus Jeremiah writes, Quote, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Unquote. Chapter 2, verse 13. The prophets point an accusing finger at those who show contempt for life and violate people's rights. Quote, they trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth. Unquote. Amos, chapter 2, verse 7. And... Quote, they have filled this place with the blood of innocence, unquote. Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 4. Among them, the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel frequently condemns the city of Jerusalem, calling it, quote, the bloody city, unquote. Chapter 22, verse 2, and chapter 24, verses 6 and 9. The city that sheds blood in her own mist. Chapter 22, verse 3. But while the prophets condemn offenses against life, they are concerned above all to awaken hope for a new principle of life, capable of bringing about a renewed relationship with God and with others, and of opening up new and extraordinary possibilities for understanding carrying out all the demands inherent in the gospel of life. This will only be possible thanks to the gift of God who purifies and renews. Quote, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. Unquote. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 25 and 26. See also Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34. This quote, new heart unquote, will make it possible to appreciate and achieve the deepest and most authentic meaning of life. Namely, there have been a gift which is fully realized in the giving of in the giving of self. This is the splendid message about the value of life, which comes to us from the figure of the servant of the Lord. Quote, when he makes himself an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring; he shall prolong his life; he shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Unquote. Isaiah chapter fifty-three verses ten and eleven. It is in the coming of Jesus of Nazareth that the law is fulfilled and that a new heart is given through his spirit. Jesus does, does not deny the law, but brings it to fulfillment. 
See Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. The law and the prophets are summed up in the golden rule of mutual love. See Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In Jesus, the law becomes once and for all the quote-unquote gospel. I shouldn't say it that way. The, the gospel, the quote gospel, unquote. Um, I think that John Paul uses these quotes for emphasis a, a lot of the time. Sometimes to refer to text and sometimes for emphasis. The good news of God's lordship over the world, which brings all life back to its roots and its original purpose. This is the new law, quote, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, unquote. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, and its fundamental expression, following the example of the Lord who gave us life for his friends. See John chapter 15, verse 13. Is the gift of self and love for one's brothers and sisters. Quote, we know we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren. Unquote. First John chapter 3, verse 14. This is a law of freedom, joy, and blessedness. They shall, quote, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. John chapter 19, verse 37. The gospel life is brought to fulfillment on the tree of the cross. 50. At the end of this chapter in which we have reflected on the Christian message about life, I would like to pause with each one of you to contemplate the one who was pierced and who draws all people to himself. See John chapter 19 verse 37 and chapter 12 verse 32. Looking at, quote, the spectacle, Unquote, of the cross, see Luke chapter 23, verse 48, we shall discover in this glorious tree the fulfillment, the complete revelation of the whole gospel of life. In the early afternoon of Good Friday, quote, there was darkness over the whole land, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, unquote. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 and 45. This is a symbol of a great cosmic disturbance, the massive conflict between the forces of good and the forces of evil, between life and death. Today, we too find ourselves in the midst of a dra dramatic conflict between the, quote, culture of death, unquote, and the culture of life. But the glory of the cross is not overcome, was, is not overcome by this darkness. Rather, it shines forth ever more radiantly and brightly, and is revealed as a center, meaning, and goal of all history and of every human life. Jesus is nailed to the cross and is lifted up from the earth. He experiences the moment of his greatest, quote, powerlessness, unquote, and his life seems completely delivered to the derision of his adversaries and into the hands of his executioners. He is mocked, jeered at, insulted. See Mark chapter 15, verses 24 through 36. And yet precisely amid all this, Having seen him breathe his last, the Roman centurion exclaims, quote, Truly this man was the Son of God. Unquote. Mark chapter 15, verse 39. It is thus at the moment of his greatest weakness that the Son of God is revealed for who he is. On the cross, his glory is made manifest. By his death, Jesus sheds light on the meaning of life and death for every human being. Before he dies, Jesus prays to the Father, asking forgiveness for his persecutors. 
See Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And to the criminal who asked him to remember him in his kingdom, he replies, quote, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Unquote. Luke chapter 23, verse 43. After his death, quote, the tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Unquote. Matthew chapter 27, verse 52. The salvation brought wrought by Jesus is a bestowal of life and resurrection. Throughout his earthly life, Jesus had indeed bestowed salvation by healing and doing good to all. See Acts chapter 10, verse 38. But his miracles, healings, and even his raising of the dead were signs of another salvation, a salvation which consists in the forgiveness of sins, that is, setting man free from his greatest sickness and raising him to the very life of God. On the cross, the miracle of the serpent lifted up by Moses in the desert. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. See also Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 through 9. Is renewed and brought to full and definite perfection. Today too, by looking upon the one who was pierced, every person whose life is threatened encounters the sure hope of finding freedom and redemption. 51. But there's yet another particular event which moves me deeply when I consider it. Quote, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, quote, It is finished, unquote, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, unquote. John chapter 19, verse 30. Afterwards, the Roman soldier, quote, pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water, unquote. John chapter 19, verse 34. Everything has now reached its complete fulfillment. The quote, giving up, unquote, of the Spirit describes Jesus' death, a death like that of every other human being. But it also seems to allude to the quote, gift of the Spirit, unquote, which Jesus ransoms us from death, by which Jesus ransoms us from death and opens before us a new life. It is the very life of God which is now shared with man. It is the life which through the sacraments of the church, symbolized by the blood and water flowing from Christ's side, is continually given to, to God's children, making them the people of the new covenant. From the cross, the source of life, the, quote, people of life, unquote, is born and increases. The contemplation of the cross thus brings us to the very heart of all that has taken place. Jesus, who upon entering into the world said, quote, I have come, O God, to your will, unquote. See Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Made himself obedient to the Father in everything, and, quote, having loved his son who were in the world, he loved them to the end, unquote. John chapter 13, verse 1. Giving, him, giving himself completely to them. He who had come, quote, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, unquote. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, attains on the cross the heights of love. Quote, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Unquote. John chapter 15, verse 13, and he died for us while we were yet sinners. See Romans chapter 5, verse 8. In this way, Jesus proclaims that life finds its center, its meaning, and its fulfillment when it is given up. At this point, their meditation comes, becomes praise and thanksgiving, and at the same time urges us to imitate Christ and follow 
in his footsteps. See 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. We too are called to give our lives for our brothers and sisters, and thus to realize in the fullness of truth the meaning and destiny of our existence. We shall be able to do this because you, O Lord, have given us the example and have bestowed on us the power of your Spirit. We shall be able to do this if every day with you and like you we are obedient to the Father and do his will. Grant, therefore, that we may listen with open and generous hearts to every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Thus, we shall learn not only to obey the commandment, not to kill human life, but also to revere life, to love it, and to foster it. That's the end of chapter 2. Thank you very much.